Good morning. So, Friday was a good day, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Friday was a good day. Because after 50 years, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Amen. That's right. I remember, I I don't know, I, I know the majority in here weren't alive to remember this, but I remember when it was first passed 50 years ago. And I was just an eight-year-old boy, but I remember the devastation that I felt because of the reaction of those around me, of my parents and and those around me in church. And, and for 50 years, it's been a battle. It's been a battle, and, and I want to explain this a little bit, because there's a greater battle going on in the Spirit than what we see in the physical or or even what we think of in the physical this is not about trying to solve a problem of you know orphaned children not wanted children or anything like that this is about a power that Satan receives, that his principalities receive through those sacrifices. And that's what they are, is sacrifices. There is a power in the Spirit that comes through these sacrifices. So for 50 years, it has been built year upon year upon year, this power. That God began to dismantle just a couple of years ago. In the spirit. And what I want you to recognize, because this is something in the spirit, we're going to see change. We're going to see change in that power. We're going to see a diminishing of the principality's power, of the enemy's power. And what's interesting to me is... That if you look at it on a practical level, you say, okay, which apparently the news media outlets don't get this part yet, but Roe v. Wade being overturned had nothing to do with federal abortion. It had to do with giving the power back to the states, which is where it should have been in the first place. States still have a choice. I'm saddened to say that Delaware is one that still chooses abortion. But what you're going to see, what happened in the spirit, and and forgive me for just, just going off explaining this a little bit, what you saw was an overall authority that was being given because our federal government, understand the covering over all of the states, had made a choice to say this was okay. That's what's been taken down. Now, remember, I can't remember when the Lord gave me this word, but it, it maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. I, I can't seem to keep timing very good in that. But he told me that there was coming a 
constitutional amendment that would declare life to begin at conception. Obviously, that would pretty much take care of everything statewide, or all states, because that would be issuing the federal agreement through law, in fact, constitutional law, that life begins at conception. All that's saying, guys, is life is important. Life is critical. And, and by the way, it's not just for the unborn baby. It's all life. All life is critical. What happened in Genesis chapter 3 in the fall was really about death taking control. When you boil everything down, right, all sin leads to what? Leads to death. Because that's what was conquered through the fall with Adam. That was what was conquered in Genesis chapter 3, was death took hold. Now, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came, died on the cross, and he was in the grave for three days, he was there doing what? By the way, he wasn't, just so you're clear, he wasn't paying for our sins burning in hell for three days. That's, that's not what Scripture teaches. He went down there literally to teach what's going on to the principalities. I don't know if, if gloating is, is a good word for it, but I really get a feeling that's what he did. He went down there to the angels that were set aside in Genesis chapter 6 just to say, hey guys, by the way, it's done. I just did it. You don't even know what's coming for you. You don't even know what's going on. But because you're not up top, because you're not privy to this, I just wanted to come down and tell you, you lost. All that you paid is just a fraction of what you're going to pay. Because it's all been been won. So from a human standpoint, we look at that and we think, okay, wait, Jesus paid for everything. He literally conquered or paid for the conquering of death but yet we still have death right in fact it says in revelation that the last thing i think it's revelation the last thing to be conquered is death but not the last thing to be paid for because jesus paid it all he said it is finished everything was paid for everything was completed on the cross So the rest of it is a partnership with his bride and him to fight. That's why the the word of God teaches us you've got to be engaged. You've got to stand up. You've got to be this army rising up. Why does he need an army if he's already paid for everything? Because payment is what he took on. Because that's... Literally, he was the only one who could take it on. Nobody, none of us could. No human being could. It had to be God who came in the form of man and gave himself and paid that price. You see, but the enforcement is ours with him. The enforcement of what he paid for was his 
relationship with his bride to begin to work. If you look at all the times he's moved in the word of God, every single time, bar none, in a massive way, it was it started with a relationship between that person or group of people and him. That's what's happening now. The enforcement is ours. And the enforcement has already begun. Do you think, do you think that this just came out of the blue? This, this 50 years just came out of the blue? No, it came out of the enforcement of the bride partnering with Jesus Christ. Now, what did that enforcement look like? Did it look like taking up arms and going down to... I mean, certainly people did that. But that's not where the power came from. The power came from our knees. When we were on our knees praying, when we were combined together in unity and praying, Lord, this isn't right. This isn't right. We stand up. We, we are willing hosts of your power to bring about your will. Not to bring about our own will, but your will. And so often, man, I, I look back over the decades, and so often it has been where the bride was complacent. Where the bride, and you even see it now. It's interesting how that's part of the dividing line now where the bride thinks, well, you know, it doesn't really affect me. It doesn't really affect me, so, you know, I don't think about it much. Well, guess what? It will affect you. It affects all of us. What just happened on Friday is proof of that because now a huge authority has been dismantled. And now God will bring judgment on those states that do not. And that makes me so sad to say, because I'm, I live in one of those states. But he will bring judgment. He will bring judgment on those states that declare we want to be a sanctuary state for abortion. Which I know California has said, and I, I think all of Canada has said, right? And I believe New York has said. I mean, that, that just saddens my heart. I, I don't know I, if any of you, you know, see any of the posts on Facebook. I'm not on there very often. But, but I saw some posts after Friday about, yay, you know, we won victorious day. And then I look down and I see the arguments against it. And... The argument was never about life. It was about, well, what about now? Now, now you're going to kill the mother. Now you're going to do this. And now you're going to do that. Whatever happened to fighting for all life? You know, would, would we make decisions and fight for the life of the mother? Absolutely. Would we fight for the life of the child? Absolutely. You know, where's the faith to believe that God can provide both and not take it into our hands to dictate what it's supposed to be. Recognize in the Spirit, guys, this is not anything more than the Spirit gaining authority through these sacrifices. 
So we're going to bring change. In fact, I, I'm reading through. Cole, go ahead and put up this picture. I saw this on Fox News um, on, on an, uh, their app. But I read this. It was Friday afternoon. Um, let me know if you got it. But it, 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 it was such a confirmation of, of things coming and something that the Lord has been telling us about for a few years. And now I know, is it coming up or no? Okay, I was going to do some big, you know, whatever, but I'll tell you what it was and then you'll see it. It's about civil war. And it was interesting because, no, we're not, it, I mean, you look at it now, we're not in civil war. You know, we, we don't see military driving, to, is it up there now? Awesome. We don't see military driving down the street. We don't see curfews, you know, and all that yet. But I thought, how prophetic was this writer? And they don't even know it. You know, civil war is coming. It says, watch liberal media go scorched earth after Supreme Court ruling announced. And thank you, Cole. It, it's not just about civil war of our disagreements. Right? When the Lord told us a few years ago of civil war coming, he means the real thing. He, he did say civil war is coming. It'll be short-lived. Don't know what that means. Not sure. It doesn't really matter what it means. I just know I'm on the right side <laughs> because God is the one doing it. And what He laid on my heart this morning is so much about His children that do not have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming. We don't have to be afraid of what's here. In fact, be excited for what God is doing. If you think any of this, is, is being manipulated and controlled by Satan, then, then you're wrong. You're confused. It's not that Satan isn't doing things. It's not, it's not that wrong is not happening. Of course it is. That's the whole point. But God is bringing it out into the open. He is bringing it out to a place of transparency so people are forced to make a decision. And, and, and don't be confused. It's not about a decision of right and wrong, like, well, I'll decide abortion or life, or, or, you know, other things that he's forcing a decision on. It's the decision of trusting him. It's the decision of having faith that God is in control of all of this, that he is the one doing it. So he laid this on my heart this morning. Let's, let's pray before we go any further. Father, we worship you. We trust you. We love you, Lord. I thank you for your love for us. Father, in unity, we thank you together for what came out Friday. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, because these victories in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of battle are sweet. And Father, you've told me that they will just start coming one upon another, upon another, upon another. I thank you, God. I thank you for the line that you drew in the sand for each of us. I thank you for the line that you drew in the sand for this country as well as the entire earth. 
God, I thank you because it is your time to move. It is your time to move. We are simply your hands and your feet. Willing vessels, emptied of themselves, filled with your Holy Spirit to say, do what you want through us. Father, I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you speak whatever you want to through me. Let it be nothing from me, but only you. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. I give you my hands, my feet. Lord, I am yours. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard a song early in the week, and it's, it just kind of stuck with me. I've heard it probably a few dozen, dozen times, but um, it's called Wait on You. You guys know, I think it's Elevation. Is that Elevation Worship? Yeah? And Maverick City. Both, right? Yeah, I, th- I think Elevation was part of it, but whatever. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but <clears throat> I heard it probably Monday or it might have even been last Sunday night and it's just stuck with me, which is funny because I've heard this song a thousand times, but wait on you, wait on you. I will wait on you when I don't understand what's going on. I'm not in control anyway. I have the promises that you have promised me, even though I don't feel them yet, even though I don't see them yet, I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. And, and it was taken from a verse. In fact, let's turn, let's turn to that verse. It's in Isaiah. I think it's chapter 40. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And you all know this. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of the things that hit me about this is, obviously, when we wait on Him, renewing our strength. And we we think in our mind, okay, well, awesome, that means rest. That That means we get some downtime. We get to relax and then then kind of that renews our strength. That's not at all what it means. It means that trusting Him, waiting for those promises with full faith, full faith, just like, they, just like the writer of Hebrews talked about in Hebrews 11, that they believed and their entire life believed, even though they never saw the promise come about. It never stopped their belief. That's what waiting on the Lord is. Waiting on the Lord, moving forward in the pathway that He has for us, but waiting on Him, never allowing faith to diminish. And when we do that, it says here, He'll renew our strength. I don't know about you guys, the last couple of weeks for me have been crazy. Like, you know... You, you might look at me and think I was built for manual labor, but, you know, come on, I thought I was over that like 10 years ago. <laughs> this week, or the past two weeks, every day, it's just been this strenuous 
time-consuming effort of all kinds of different things. And talking to the Lord about that, it, it, was, it wasn't so much about... I don't believe your promises, or, I, or it had nothing to do with that. It was like, Lord, I, I want to keep moving, but I need your strength. And that strength hasn't come in downtime. That strength has come in faith, in believing what he's doing. The strength came when Friday, whatever time it was, they announced this. I think it was in the morning about 10 o'clock or 10.30, something like that. I don't know about you, but it was like, it just filled me up. It was like, okay, okay, thank you. Thank you, God, for that proving out of your promises, for a promise coming true. Because when it comes true there, it's going to come true here. Still, it's your, in your timing, God. But thank you. That filled me up. Did it all of a sudden, you know, I got, you know... Ten hours more sleep? No. None of that changed. None of the physical attributes of what I was doing changed. But yet my physical strength changed. My physical strength changed because of excitement. Because of my faith in His promises coming true. Man, He has laid out so many promises for us, so many promises for his bride, so many promises for ignition here. The faith of what he is doing in bringing those to pass is extraordinary. That's what fills you up. That's what waiting on the Lord is. It is the production of your faith that will mount you up like eagles. Now, that, that phrase is interesting too. What does an eagle get to do that we can't? Fly. Yeah. Now, what's the purpose of flying? I, I suppose if you have to hunt your, your game, then, you know, that's probably pretty good. But, but that's not, I don't think that's the purpose in why this was put in here. It's a change of perspective. If you are looking at what's around you on the earth... And where you are, you gain a certain perspective. If you want a higher perspective, it's got to be from up top. Right? That, that's why air control is so important in a war. Not just because you could drop bombs or shoot missiles or whatever, but because you can actually see what's going on. When we mount up as we, on the wings of eagles, it is to a new perspective of what's going on. If you're just looking around you and you're starting to see the chaos, and you're starting to see all the things go awry, and that is your only perspective, you are going to be in trouble. Because it's only going to get worse, guys. It's, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. <laughs> I, I can't emphasize that enough. But let me back that up by also saying, you are not the target. His bride is not the target. In fact, his bride is who he's coming to vindicate. As things get worse, there will be a placement 
of those who are in relationship with him of protection that, by the way, they won't be able to explain because they couldn't in Israel. Do you remember in the ten plagues in Egypt when they were coming out of Egypt? Which, by the way, this is so similar. The Lord has spoken that so many times that this is so similar to that. But in those plagues, I think it, I think it was the ninth plague of the darkness. I think that was one right before the death, I believe. But, but it, it, it was this darkness over the land where they literally could not even see their hand in front of their face. But yet Israel could. Now, I don't know if you know, but, you know, those lands are connected. You know, they're not like states apart or anything like that. They're connected. And yet Israel could see. In fact, let, let's go there. It's in um, Exodus. Uh, Exodus 10. This was the exodus of the Jews leaving, you know, when Moses was leading them out of slavery. Verse 23 says, well, actually, let's go back to 21 because this is where the ninth plague, the darkness starts. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. A darkness to be felt. Very interesting. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Verse 23. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Now, I'm not going to even begin to explain how that would be possible. Except the Lord said it, and the Lord did it. That's the possibility. That's the faith. As we step into these times right now with civil war coming, with world war coming, with, with this craziness all going on around us, and, and by the way, it's not all that's coming, it's, it's what's here. I mean, just turn on your TV, turn on your your any news outlet at all, and and you'll see it. But we don't have to be afraid. As we have relationship with Him, He is coming to do this for us. To bring liberation for us. To bring us to a place of what was rightfully ours as His children. That's what he's doing. So we're not to be afraid. We're not to go and worry about what the world is doing, just to walk in what the Lord says. Now, the Lord did tell us there will be darkness, right? Even a physical darkness, like what what happened in the ninth plague with Egypt. But yet we're not to worry. We're not to be afraid. Somehow we will be able to see. Somehow we will be able to function when these things are happening all around us to bring a vindication of God's plan. Somehow we will be protected. Now, don't assume that we'll all just be sent to the suburbs and hide in a tree somewhere. Because that's not it. We are partnered with Jesus Christ to do his will. 
In fact, what he's going to do is he's going to put us and has put us on the battlefield. And he says, be a voice for me. Right? We've had so many be a voice for those unborn babies. And look at the victory that was won. That victory that is bringing on the chaos. And... (laughs) If you think that's chaotic, just wait. I can't release it yet, but just wait. Just wait what's coming on before the end of the year. Just wait what's coming on even before November. If you think this is chaos, this is nothing compared to what's coming. And as a bride in Christ, as a remnant with relationship with him, that should excite us. Not because, oh man, we're going to get our own. Not because of that at all. In fact, it's because Jesus is to get his own. That's the truth of it. Jesus is the one that paid. You and I didn't pay. He paid. And yet for 2,000 years, he has not gotten the fellowship of his bride, his unreadied bride, for 2,000 years. It's time. It's time for his bride to stand up. It's time for his bride to recognize the times, to recognize that in the chaos, he is bringing order. In the chaos, he is bringing hope. In the chaos, he is fulfilling faith. I was reading this morning. How many in here uh, read Veronica West at all? Okay, a few of us. I was reading, it popped up this morning, and I started to read it. She put it out this morning, but I want to read it to you. Because it, it really, it went so perfectly along with what the Lord is saying and has been saying to me this morning. She put it out about five hours ago. She said, nothing, and, and this was a word from the Lord, so the, this is the Lord speaking. Nothing, I say nothing, is too hard for me. I hear the lover of our souls saying, I am the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. At my word, all living things were created and have their being. At my word, the sun rises and sets and the moon and the stars appear in the night skies. I am light and darkness cannot diminish that light. I am life and death has no hold over me. My word can never fail. My word over you is victory and great reward. I will fulfill my promises to those that will diligently and earnestly seek my face. Beloved, I desire an encounter with you. And this is the part I really want you to pay attention to. Beloved, I desire an encounter with you. Not a mere fleeting moment of superficial chit-chat and lip service but a time of deep and meaningful conversation come and linger make my presence your dwelling place let the crystal clear rivers of living waters quench your thirst let the bread of heaven satisfy your hunger and let the oil of my anointing flow forth upon you 
to heal you of all your sicknesses and infirmities, to bind up your wounds and to set you free from captivity. Let the fullness of who I am fill the empty places and spaces within you. My name is Emmanuel, God with you, in you, and for you, an ever-present and only true reality in a world of increasing delusion, deception, and satanic counterfeit creations. Smoke machines, disco lights, magic mirrors have become the new replacement for the cloud of glory, for the light of my righteousness and holiness, which is a true reflection of my Son. Oh, how my heart yearns for the true worshipers to arise. Those that walk in the spirit of the fear of the Lord and where the altar of consecration has become their inhabitation. Oh, my redeemed ones, if only you stayed long enough in my presence. If only you would set aside the time to tarry and wait on me. For surely I would come and never disappoint you. My child, doubt, unbelief, and impatience have become enemies of a deeper encounter and a visitation with my glory and fire. The desire for quick fixes and convenient offerings have taken the place of true surrender and selfless sacrifice. My heart is grieved at the independence of my sons and daughters. Oh, how they delay their breakthrough by going round and round the same mountain, doing things in their own time and in their own ways. Way takes them off my course. Detours and derailments are inevitable. Dangerous snares and pitfalls have been set and prepared by their enemies. If only they would depend fully and rely totally upon me to lead and guide them on their journey. All I have required is faith. Even faith the size of a mustard seed will do. And obedience to the call of their shepherd, that they may know my voice and follow after me. For my eye is always looking for greener pastures besides still waters to take them to. My angelic hosts are always at the ready to go before them to prepare the way and to make room for them. My cloud by day is always moving to take them step by step closer to the fulfillment of the promised land I have prepared for them. And my pillar of fire by night is always there to provide a light in the darkness and divine protection from snakes and all hidden dangers that dwell in darkness and to give them warmth from the cold winds that blow at night. Surely, surely nothing, I say nothing, is too hard for me. And for those that put their hope, trust, and faith in me shall never be in want. But they shall find the blessing of great reward and everlasting life. As the Lord takes us out of this place of where where the bride has been of this settled inactivity... 
where we're just settled into a life of, you know, I do church on Sunday and, you know, on a good week, I'll go to the midweek service and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I, I, I go to work and I tell people about Jesus at work. And, you know, I, I check off the things that make me feel like I'm doing something right. See, that's where the majority of the bride has been for decades. But he's not allowing that anymore. He's forcing a choice. And yet he's saying with open arms, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is have faith. Now, by the way, what does that faith begin? It begins in understanding relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just about, yeah, I believe he'll do it. And then I'm just going to go about my life. We're at a point in history where he's engaging his bride. Where he is readying his bride. Where she is to take up her portion. What she is to do. We're at that point. That point starts with relationship. Because honestly, that's what God gets out of it. Man, you look at this and uh, I remember years and years ago probably seven or eight years ago, the Lord gives me this picture in my mind. And it was, it was the father standing there. And I, in my mind, I couldn't see his face, but I could see his hands. And they were out like this. And I just saw a big caption written across the cloud that said, what is in it for me? I mean, think about it. He sacrificed his son. Jesus, who, who was God, is God, who became man, sacrificed himself, made himself a little lower than the angels to pay for our sin. God is the one who sacrificed all of that. And yet, what's in it for him? We are. We are. His very creation Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on your creation. Thank you that what you created was so dear to you that it was will, you were willing to sacrifice for it. So what does he get out of it? He gets you. He gets me. He gets that relationship together to where it's molded like this for eternity. That's what he wants. That is the hope of today. Oh man, this place is going to fill up quick. And any church that is teaching relationship with Jesus Christ will fill up quick. Because there is no hope in the world. They're hungry for hope. They're looking for hope. They're looking for relationship. That hole that was created inside them that can only be filled by God. And yet they look everywhere else. Well, guess what? This chaos that's coming, be thankful for it because it's producing a recognition of that whole, of that whole understanding. I need God. I don't even know what that means. I, you know, I don't know him, but certainly someone's in control of all this. And then the Lord starts to put you in a place where you say, something to them. Maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe it's somebody you just met at Wawa. 
Maybe you're filling up with gas and the Lord tells you, yeah, go talk to that person right there. Go tell them that I offer relationship. Rest assured, if you're obedient in that, which please do. If, if you're like, well, Lord, I don't know if that was you or, or if that's me. or Well, you can rest assured it's not Satan because he wouldn't do that. And if you're worried if it's you or God, why don't you just lean on the side of obedience, lean on the side of faith and say, well, Lord, if this is me, then it, then do something with it anyways and go do it. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to be surprised because when you talk to that person, something's going to happen that showed you it was God. Because, see, God's already been working on that person. Holy Spirit has already been preparing a heart to hear something that He wanted your mouth to give. So be excited because this is the result of the chaos. It is a coming and knowing Jesus Christ in relationship and and not just salvation, not just, yeah, give me my golden ticket to heaven. Not just that but literally giving Him what He deserves, which is our love, our faith, our admiration, our joy, giving it all over to Him because it's His in the first place. So what what I it was so weird because He took me two different places this morning and they couldn't have been more opposite. The other place that I'll just mention to you was Isaiah chapter 24. I think the title of it was Destruction of the World. (laughs) But they both play together. Because in that destruction is going to be a world that is searching. A world that needs what you have. You have the access. You have the keys. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and you have relationship with Him, you have answers these people need. They desperately need. They're going to be searching. We know that it's heading that direction, and it already is. So ask the Lord, what part do you play? Ask the Lord what you're to do. And trust Him in it. Trust Him in it. And I... Yeah, I, I'm not going to go into chapter 24. Maybe, maybe he'll do that another time, or you can you can read it yourself. I, I I will say that what he was showing me is, I'll say this about Isaiah. It's interesting. There's a lot of debate as to whether Isaiah wrote the entire book of Isaiah, which is kind of funny since he penned it and said he did. But it's actually like two different books. Isaiah is, can be a confusing book because you have a very different writer in, in the first part of it to the writer that wrote the second part. And, and I, I believe that the mystery of what God's doing is in the church is going to reveal why he did that. And is, is part of uh, uh, what that means. Because the destruction on the earth, don't, don't read this in chapter 24, and I'm just going to leave this with you to do on your own week. But don't read that and think, 
okay, well, that really is just something that applies, you know, in the final days, in, in you know, tribulation period because of God judging the earth to, you know, to lift up Israel. It's, it's not that at all. See, something happens in the first portion of the book, the first half of the book, you see it duplicated in the second half. And, and we see this a couple times. We see this in the book of Zechariah as well. We see it in a couple other books. And before it never made sense. You know, it's all, why are you saying this twice? It's because of what we're going through right now, this great mystery that God, this mystery called the bride that, that Paul talked about, but it's been a mystery in point even up to today. Do you know we have more being revealed today about this mystery, about who the bride is, what the bride is to do, what God is doing in preparing his bride. We, we know more about it today than has ever been known. If, if, you, if you take these 66 books, and, and I'll say this because I used to be one of them, if you say this is what God said and that's it, there's a big period on the end. God does not talk anymore. God does not do that. We just have to be faithful until we're finally with him. And then, you know, we get some mansion or something, I guess. If that's how you feel, then you're going to step through these next few years in real turmoil. Because what God is revealing now is the mystery Paul even said it. He said, he said this mystery, and I, I think it was in Galatians maybe or, or Ephesians, but he said this mystery wasn't understood in the Old Testament, even though it was spoken about. If you go through the, the Old Testament with the lens of readying the bride and this mystery, you start to pick up a whole new layer of stuff. And Isaiah is a good example of it. Because what God is doing now in readying his bride, and I've said it many times, is there is a foreshadowing of what's going on now to what will happen in the tribulation. Don't confuse the two. We are not in the tribulation. We are not moving into the tribulation. The tribulation is Satan's time. It is the time of the Antichrist. It is the time of him to be in control. And we're not in that time. In fact, it has been erased from the possibility of that being the time. God is in control of this, of what we are doing right now. He is in control fully of what's going on and what's being exposed. It is a foreshadowing of what we see in the tribulation. It is a foreshadowing of what we see in Revelation. Don't be confused because it's different. And if you start to get that, God's going to open up a lot of scripture to you to understand what he's doing because he wants you to understand. He wants you to understand the lay of the land right now. He wants you to understand and not for the purpose of, well, I just know and I can feel good about that, but for the purpose of faith. You know, how many in here believe Jesus Christ is coming again? Yeah, okay. He wants that faith to be perpetual. He wants that faith 
to be building. How many in here believe that God has the absolute best plan for your individual lives? Yeah, I mean, those are easy. Those are like automatics, right? But yet we don't live like it. We don't. Because it requires a faith to walk in. Oh, okay. All right. Then turn, turn this one off then. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you. It's so funny. I was shaking so bad the other day. I went to hand a cap to Alexis and it just flipped right out of my hand. <laughs> but we're at a point where God is requiring something of you and of me, of his bride. He's requiring a level of faith in believing in what he is doing and wants to do. That in and of itself is what's going to change your life. That relationship with Him that brings a peace to the chaos is what's going to get you through these next couple of years and even through these next six months. But you know, it's not just about you. It's about the people around you. Not just the ones you love but the ones that Jesus puts in your path. Because you may be the only voice that can bring them hope. Boy, I know where he put us here in Elkton, and we've talked about this before, we're, we're in a place that desperately needs hope. Desperately needs faith. And God's going to do it. But he's going to do it through us. He's going to do it through people that say yes and just trust him in stepping where they're supposed to step. So, Alex, come on up. So I want to encourage you this morning, even with all the things going on, God holds true to his promises. Friday was an example of that. 50 years, guys, 50 years of the bride praying. God held true to his plan and his promise. I think I say this every week, but it never ceases to amaze me how the Holy Spirit works when it comes to, you know, our desire is to share the same thing every week and delivering the word of the Lord because it's just not about us and to hear, um, to hear what scriptures God gave to Greg this morning was wild, ladies, wasn't it? The ones in class here was just like, we're going to Exodus again. We were just there. But there is a verse, and it's so cool because he said it right at the end. There is a verse that has been this recurring thought over and over again. Um, and it is Hebrews 10.25, and I don't normally, as I'm closing out the service. I don't normally have you pull up a verse, but I will, although he's so quick, he does it anyway if I refer to one. I'm struggling the other day on my phone, and it's like right behind me on the screen. He gets it, but Hebrews 10.25 is so important for this time. It is literally the most relevant verse we could, we could have, 
but I wanted to show it to you from a different lens. And if you have that in the ESV, um, actually, let's do 24 because it kind of leads into it. The crux of it is in 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Then 25, and not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, as is the habit of some, depends on, I learned it in the King James, so this is ESV, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You cannot um, stir up one another to love and good works unless you are in the trenches with your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Well, in this time of the shaking, the chaos, the intensity rising, one of the things that the Lord is trying to do to shake up the bride is to get us to see that putting our fannies in a seat once a week doesn't help us. You know, when you're in a difficult situation, having your brothers and sisters in the trenches united together, that is where the power is. And it takes a lot of faith. You know, when I was thinking about through the lens of faith, this verse through the lens of faith, this is not just one of the pastors, okay, get ready, here's the guilt trip, I need to show up more. No, we have been a small church for years. It, we have seen the power of God come in the smallest group, like the, the years where there was creation and the whole group went to creation, and then we were just a small group for a prayer group. We had some of the best encounters with God with just a few of us. This is not some passive-aggressive ploy to have more people come to more services. Oh, my goodness. We have, that, has, that paradigm has been purged. This is for your benefit. If you don't step out by faith, and engage more with the body of Christ and beyond just the hellos, because we know what that's like. I've been in churches where there's a, I don't think they mean for it to be, but sometimes it can be a disingenuous, hi, how are you? So great to have you. And that sometimes is all you can say in a, in a welcome time, and that can be genuine. But later it can be proven how much that love is really there. And that was one of the first things God did in Ignition to change. He's like, I want you to be the true body of Christ that knows how to go beyond just, you know, wrapping your arms around somebody in a service is very important. But wrapping your arms around them in their home at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night when they are oppressed by demons is a whole other way to do church. And if we're not united in that kind of fellowship, provoking one another to love and to good works in a side-by-side invested relationship, we're really not going to get it. And that's really where the bride is. I didn't, know, I didn't even really know how to do that. I knew how to take a position of leadership, and God had to teach me that position is not, um, n- not just a place of a comfort zone or a place of, of you know, prosperity or a place of prominence. It's a place of responsibility, and if you're not willing to be among the people, then you have no right standing before the people. And he just really ripped up everything that I knew about church. I just, you know, it was, I remember being in churches where it was like, oh, if the, if the pastor would ever call you or come in your home, it was a big deal. And where do we get these kinds of, this hierarchy of people, you know, on different levels? We need to provoke one another to love and good works and really be together. And so much more. As we see the day approaching, so much more. This is the time. The day of the Lord, if you will, the the foreshadowing of that, is drawing near. 
And that's the thing that the Lord's been just saying over and over again. It, it takes faith to step out and get to know someone past the hellos. It really does. It's hard. It's hard. We, we know rejection. We are in an entire system now. It's been perpetrated by the enemy of isolation. It's, a, it's you know, I mean, remember when the COVID thing started? I, I remember just <laughs> walking through Costco and these Teenagers were hired with signs watching if when you passed somebody you got too close or if, if somebody was reaching for a box of cereal and another person was, oh, 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 separate, folks, separate, separate. I mean, it was just this incredible, oppressive waiting in line, you know, stand on your circle, you know, or somebody's going to come and arrest you. It, it, it was insanity. And at first, you know, your head is spinning because it's all so new. But when you begin to get that eagle's view that he preached about, you see, okay, what's really going on here? This is a divide and conquer, steal, kill, destroy strategy right here. This is demonic, this isolation. I remember the first time the Lord went all the masks. I'm in the dollar store when it first started. We're all masked up, and the Lord said, go pray for that lady. I thought, oh, man, you've got to be. It's hard, it's hard enough, but she's masked and probably, you know, being careful that nobody comes within six feet of her, okay, because the six feet thing was so strong. But again, I just, I, I, and that was what the Lord taught me, just what Greg said. I had to err on the side of, okay, Lord, the enemy's certainly not going to tell him, me to go pray for her and encourage her. And so I'm going to err, and this certainly isn't me, because it was way out of my comfort zone. And so I said, Lord, I, I know this is you. I'm not going to argue. I'm going to do it. This woman needed encouragement. I mean, you'd have just thought, it, she was scared to death that somebody would engage with her and speak with her. And I said, you know, the Lord is asking me to, I'm a Christian, and the Lord is asking me to just pray for you. You know, or, or what can I pray for you about? She just was like, thank you, thank you. You could just see the weight of just, you know, the, the anxiety and the tension at that time trying to get her items and stay masked and stay separated and, uh, you know, the pressure and the pressure and what's happening. And then somebody just to have them cut through all that stuff and just pray. And I lowered my mask, let me tell you. I thought, you know, I'll just, Lord, you can deal with it, but I'm not praying for her masked up. She stayed masked. That was when they were really strict. Like, that was when they were hunting you down. And uh, for the most part, we were, we were rebels in ignition in terms of going into stores. And some people never did. They just kept getting through. Michael just kept getting thrown out of Walmart. <laughs> they were like, there he is again. Let's go, let's go get this guy. Praise God for that. But, but she needed prayer. God prepared her heart. This is what is needed now. You might think, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm good. I'm fine. No. Invest. Take a step of faith. Interact more. Whatever. We, ha- we don't have tons of things offered in, in Ignition, but we do have other opportunities to get involved, get connected. On your own, reach out to somebody. Whether you're, if you're on God Squad chat or, or if you just can reach somebody by, by text or whatever, connect with the people of God. We are not to forsake assembling whatever that looks like. It is not just about perfect attendance. It's about stepping by faith out of your comfort zone and letting someone into your life. That is so important. So I just, I just want to encourage you in that because that is when the, intensive, the intensity of this atmosphere and the chaos rises. To know that someone is a text away in a real sense, someone that it's like, okay, we've already been side by side together. I know that I can call them. It's not like, um, 
you know, I was in Augusta, Georgia, lived there for many years, and you would often get this, oh, honey, you just call me any time. I'll just be there for you, you know. And, and I, I mean, I took somebody up on that one time, and they were flabbergasted. Who is this? What? Oh, I, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Let me, let me get back. Let me think about that. Let me get back to you. I thought, okay. And I never reached out again because I thought, ooh, it, it's not really real. Like, I, it, was a, it, was just, it was just some kind of a false gesture. And, and we've gotten so used to that in the church that now genuine love, somebody really willing to just be there for you and show up for you becomes a shock. And it's, it shouldn't be that way. And so it starts with us. How can we unify as a bride when we allow the divide, the atmosphere, and cultural divide to be agreed with? No, I will not stay six feet away from you. And no, I will not cover my mouth. I will speak the joy of the Lord, and I will come close alongside my brother and sister. And certainly the hopeless world that is in need of what I have. That's the kind of boldness God wants us to step in. And, and he will, just like we talked about in the ladies' class, he will give us power by the Holy Spirit and make us as gods. If you notice that in Exodus, two different times, God said to Moses, I will make you like a god to Pharaoh. Not God-like where we're praised, but he will empower us to where the world can go, something's going on with that person. Man, when that person prays, something happens. When that person laid hands on me, I was healed. And then... In the purity of our being filled with the Spirit, we point to Jesus, who the true God is. That is what he's been training us for. But don't don't be satisfied to come and do the old ways of church. Step out beyond. We are going to be growing so fast, and we're going to have to be really intentional about getting to know one another, remembering names, investing. There are people that are even spirit-filled mature believers who do need encouragement. The warfare is no joke. Part of what happened to my eye this week was just the sheer force of my body doing the labor and moving things here. And I'm going to talk about that in a second when we give the announcements. But it's just all of a sudden my daughter walked up to me. She said, what is wrong with your eye? A big blood vessel just burst from just the stress of what my body was going through. And the Lord continued to give me strength, and he gave me, he had me rest yesterday of all days. I didn't want to. There was work going on at our house finally, but, um, and he has, he stops me, but, but it was just, I agreed with Greg. My spirit was just, just on fire going and going and going, but my body, you know, not so much. And so I've had to listen to him and steward it carefully and know how about resting in me and getting on your knees and praying and let's not have another cup of coffee. Okay. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. I'm sorry. Cause my adrenal glands were just completely fried, but God is so good. He is our strength. And, but the warfare is intense. And when people are praying for me and I reach out for prayer, knowing that they're going to pray, not a, Oh yeah, I'll say my prayers and you know, we'll pray for you. No, but a real stopping what they're doing. Lord, Wendy needs encouragement right now. I bring her, I plead the blood of Jesus over Wendy, over her struggle, over her infirmity. When you've got prayer warriors side by side because you've been in the trenches with them, angels move on behalf of that prayer. 
and we help one another. That is what we need in this war. We don't need churchy smiles and niceness for one little tiny welcome in between some songs on a service. We just don't. We've got to really get into the truth of Hebrews 10.25. So um, I just wanted to mention that because it so goes with everything about this unifying, this readiness, being excited about what God is doing. But we cannot go it alone. Don't be deceived about that. You've got to be in fellowship, not in association, but in fellowship with the body of Christ. And even as many of us are leaders, the Lord taught me, just because your leadership and people might not understand the weight of your responsibility does not mean you can't let them into your life. If I don't think I can let you into my life and let you know when I need prayer, pride is there. That's, that's the clearest sign of pride. If I think that, well, I, I don't want to share it because, you know, I mean, I'm in leadership and they just don't understand. And Pride, 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 pride. No. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need encouragement today. I need struggle. Whatever. Reach out. Confess your faults, James 5.16, your faults. Confess your life, your, the real of who you are. Let it, let it be known to your brothers and sisters that ye may be healed, it says. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I love those two parts of that verse. I've said it a thousand times in this church. But it means so much. But we've got to actually step in faith because it's not easy to open your life to others. It's just not. There is, people are, you know, they're human. And sometimes people, when you put things out there, don't know how to take it, might not know how to respond in love, may be struggling themselves. But by faith, I know who I am. And so I will just put it forth. And then God is in control of bringing me uh, what I need. And so um, that's just so, so important. Let's just pray and, and uh, close out the service for this part. Father, thank you for this word, God, that you gave to Greg this morning, God. I praise you. I praise you for what you are doing that is so high, God. Oh, and we even sang about it, that you are good. Your ways are higher than ours. Thank you for that worship song directly out of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God. Thank you. Your thoughts are higher. God, give us the renewed strength, God, and an eagle's view, God, when we, in obedience and in a selfless place of waiting on you and your direction, we, we are able to mount up with those wings, God. We're able to run and not be weary and walk and not faint, but arm in arm together as a unified force against the evil that is in this day. God, I just pray that you would just drive that home within our hearts, Lord. Help us to trust you with our friendships, with our relationships, and not believe how the enemy beats us up and says, well, I could never expose that part of my life. I could never expose that I've you know, been divorced or was on drugs or that I have this problem financially, that maybe I went bankrupt, maybe I was had a previous addiction, maybe I've had all these issues, and I, I, just, I just need to stay in a shell because nobody will understand. They'll condemn me. They'll reject me. Oh, Father God, you have not rejected us. Help us to know who we are in you and trust you that as we open up our lives, you will bring us other spirit-filled believers who know who they are. And in together, in community, in fellowship, not association, but fellowship, we are able to band together. And, oh, the enemy can do nothing with a unified bride. There is no force that can 
be greater than God's people joining together to do the will of the Father on this earth as it's been planned in heaven. God, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. Get, stir up our faith. Stir us, God, into love and good works. And then help us to provoke one another to that, God. And I thank you, God. I just thank you, God, for who you are. When I don't know who I am and I don't know what strength I have and, and things burst or, or collapse or fall apart in my body, and I just, I just go before you again on my knees and you renew my strength. Thank you, God. You renew my strength in my spirit. God, my spirit is renewed day by day. But even though my body might be dying daily, God, I am believing you for the strength for now And for this glorious, glorious outpouring of your spirit that is going to be like no other time when we actually see the dying, decaying um, curse that we've been living under actually reversed into a healing that we have never even could never even comprehend, God. All this pursuit of strength and, and these pills and, and formulas for youth, God. Oh, and God, what you're going to pour out in your spirit is the greatest anti-wrinkle cream we could ever imagine. God, I just thank you. I just thank you, God. I just praise you, God, for what you're doing. Yes, there's darkness, there's chaos, but it was always there. It was just hidden in the hearts of man. And now you're helping to vomit it up so that what can be laid before you, Almighty God, the righteous just judge, is the case laid out for Things to be made right and rulings against the evil ones to be had so that the captives can be set free. Thank you, God. You are bringing about this enforcement as your people rise. And so I just praise you, God, for what you're doing. God, help us to stay on this train because it's going fast. It is moving fast. It's getting exponentially faster. What, the pro- what you are telling the prophets are coming true within hours in some cases. And I praise you for it, God. Help us to be excited, even in our weakness, God. You are the greatest strength, God, because of who you are inside of us. So I just worship you and thank you so much again for this this encouragement, God. We don't have to be in denial to be encouraged. Help us to look directly into the face of our oppression, struggles, infirmities, whatever is hitting us, look directly in the face of that and declare who you are. Who you are, our great and mighty God. In Jesus, you are our champion enthroned. You are the mighty victor. And then in you, we are in you. And and with you in us, God, we have this victory all the time. I am just so blown away by this, God. Thank you so much. Keep it in the forefronts of our mind to walk in that victory and that gratefulness, God. And as Brooke just so articulately prayed at the end of uh, the worship set, God, just that you are uh, just all the glory, all the honor, everything goes to you, God. Keep us in that place of worship. We love you. We praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.